Hello and welcome to Season 9, Episode 6 of the Cartridge Club's Game of the Month podcast, where we bring together members of the Cartridge Club community to discuss our community playthrough. If you're new to the club or are interested in participating in future months for games like Final Fantasy VII, Revenge of Shinobi, or Castlevania handheld games, join our community Discord, our forums at cartridgeclub.org, or follow us on Twitter at cartridgeclubna. We love to see the hashtag Cartridge Club used when you talk about the games uh, we've selected. I'm Church, and on behalf of our rotating pool of hosts, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. On behalf of the entire Cartridge Club community, I'd like to give a huge shout out to our Patreon Club backers. Joel Boyce, Kevin from Canadian Grooves, Base Guy. Dean Lasagna from Round 2 Gaming, and Caleb J. Ross, as well as the rest of the Cartridge Club Patreon supporters. Thank you. February's Game of the Month is the long-awaited sequel, Portal 2, following up the previous Cartridge Club episode 47, which covered the original Portal. Joining me to talk about Portal 2 is Byar45. Hello, thanks for having me. Arwazim. Awazrim. Awazrim. Yeah. How you doing? Hey, I'm Ross. Excellent. Thank you guys, and I'm glad you're all here. So I like to start out by kind of giving a, a back-of-the-box description, just the general description put forward by uh, the developers, kind of see what they say, and then we'll, we'll uh, see how that stands up to what we think the game is. So the sequel to 2007's Game of the Year, Portal 2 is a hilariously mind-bending adventure that challenges you to use wits over weaponry in a funhouse of diabolical science. Using a highly experimental portal device, you'll once again face off against the lethally inventive power-mad AI named GLaDOS. Uh, and this time you won't be alone, meeting an expanded cast of characters as you think your way through dangerous, never-before-seen areas of aperture laboratories. Break the laws of spatial physics in ways you never thought possible with a wider variety of portal puzzles and expansive story that spans single-player and cooperative game mode. And then lastly, Portal 2 was developed and published by Valve for digital versions and published by EA for console versions. It was released on Windows, Mac, OS X, Linux, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360, April 18th, 2011. So disregarding the description I just shared, uh, how would you guys describe Portal 2 to someone who's never heard of it? Because that description is... Pretty dry. pretty dry yeah it doesn't tell you much i mean it kind of introduces to this glados like oh okay who, whatever why is that significant yeah so so what is what is portal 2 i would i would say portal 2 is is portal 1 but totally off the rails like, yeah that's yeah. that's it <clears throat> because you're kind of behind the scenes for a good chunk of it and you're just like you know oh look i broke this from the first game and but you can see it as you go through it, like it's trying to put itself back together and you know put you back through some more tests for science. And, yeah, and it's it's completely broken. Amateur science is is not what it used to be, and so like it's pretending like everything's normal, but clearly it's not. 
Okay, so we've already mentioned Portal 1. So would you say Portal 1, is that required playing before playing Portal 2? Yes and no. Uh, you can play Portal 2 without playing Portal 1, but it's such a nice experience to to play the first one. It's only three hours, I think, and you can get it pretty cheap on Steam. Uh, I think it was discounted 80% or so last month. And it's, uh, yeah, three hours and... It will elevate Portal 2 to a whole other level. Yeah. If you know the first one. I agree. Us knowing what the game is, for someone who hasn't played Portal 1, they might be kind of surprised that, you know, a short two, three hour game would, would kind of be a required playing before before playing the second one. <clears throat> but um, as you said, like it really like it introduces the universe, the GLaDOS, the facility, and then as you complete that, yeah, it definitely sets up for Portal 2. One thing that wasn't mentioned when the Cartridge Club did the first Portal game on episode 47 is Valve actually had changed the ending to Portal 1 uh, right before they announced Portal 2. There's actually two little updates. At the time, I, I saw an online post that was actually the second update. They did one update that ended up putting in radios in every level that if you interacted with these radios, you can find this Morse code uh, that set up this thing. And then it was like two days after that, like they didn't announce anything, but you'd load up steam and all of a sudden, Oh, portal one just updated. There was no information. I think somebody just ran through the game to see like if anything changed and they changed the ending where, as you defeated GLaDOS, were sent out of the facility, you were just laying there, and then it faded to black, and that was it. And then the update changed it to you were laying there, and then all of a sudden, you started getting dragged, and then it faded to black. Mm. Huh. That was pretty that. cool. Nice. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of history, because, you know, it's very seldom a game has changed, and it's a very minor thing, but the fact that they went back years later and changed it, was pretty interesting, and for good reason because it kind of leads better into into the sequel and explaining how Chell is still the, the the main character when when she escaped. So I, I guess before we we jump more into Portal Two, uh, any other thoughts on Portal One leading up to to two? The game's like you said, it's, it's like three hours long, um, and I believe wasn't there a fan or something that was making a portal type game and valve like, Oh, we like that idea and brought them on board and they expanded it to what it ended up being, which, you know, wasn't huge, but I mean, it was included with the orange box. And so everyone, you know, it was open to a wide variety of gamers, but I mean, I thought it was, it's a portal. One was a lot of fun. It introduced the, you know, the portal gun and that there's only so much you can do with, introducing people to a brand new mechanic in three hours yeah, and making a bunch of puzzles for it. Yeah. It, it was actually portal one was made by a bunch of kids out of college, this DigiPen school, which is a gaming school. Uh, Valve hired this group of kids that made this game right out of school. Yeah. They're super impressed by, uh, I believe it was new. I think it's new back, new bacular drop or new, something like that. Yeah concept was a bit different but the whole like portal 
mechanic and uh, using like the portal to like accelerate and interact with other objects was the main focus. Uh, yeah, the entire team hired by Valve to make make this game, and then of course Valve jumped in with their writers and their their polish and turned it into to what it is. Yeah, have you guys seen the uh, GDC talk? Yeah, uh, I watched that. Yeah. That was great because they uh, they said, yeah, this team came in and made Portal 1 and everybody at Valve liked it very much and uh, wanted to do the same game or work on the on the sequel. Mm -hmm. So they would sometimes uh, put one person from the uh, Portal 2 team on Left 4 Dead. They would come back with three co-workers who all were super hyped about the project and said, hey, we want to work on Portal 2. Yeah. It's such a crazy development environment that they have. It's like, whatever the people want to work on, that's what we're going to work on. Like, everyone yeah. want to work on Portal 2, so let's do it. <laughs> you know, that's what people wanted to do. And who knows if, you know, if they knew, okay, we've got a pretty fun thing. There's probably going to be a lot of um, appreciation and whatnot for the game. So we might end up making a second one. But we don't want to say that there's going to be a second one when we finish the game. And so who knows if they always had that in mind. And to change the ending, like, all right, we're not going to say anything. We're just going to do that. And I mean, but just leaking it out to the gamers and letting it spread from there. Oh, look, there's this update. And this is what they added. And it looks like we've got an, we might have just gotten a non-announcement announcement for Portal 2. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know they, they had... They were trying some different ideas uh, before Portal 2 was announced. Uh, and we saw it as we would generally expect it. Uh, initially, there, the, the sequel wasn't even going to have portals, apparently. Yeah. No portals, um, no Gladys, <laughs> no Chell. So, <laughs> and the like, playtesters said, I, I don't know. This doesn't feel like Portal to me. Interesting how... You know, yeah, with with their whole concept of just work on what you want to work on and the different projects that they did and then how eventually it led back to Portal 2. And I'm glad they made the choices that they did. All right, so I wanted to share one of the community posts that we had on Twitter. And of course, again, if you want to get involved, you can join the Discord or follow the Cartridge Club NA on Twitter for all kinds of posts throughout the month. The Twitter will usually have polls, share music and other fun facts about the games that we're playing along with the cartridge club poll at the beginning of the month was how are you playing portal 2 with us this month and the available options were pc playstation and xbox playstation 3 xbox 360 unfortunately the the only systems that have access to portal 2 right now until uh, the switch port comes out which was interesting that it got announced while we're covering it as game of the month which you know, that's that wow. whole CC effect thing that we seem to have. Uh, but overwhelmingly, 66.7% of uh, the players, 12 votes were on PC, and the rest were on PlayStation. Did any of you guys play on console, or were you all PC? PC. Generally, generally the way to go. I, from my what I hear, the, the console versions are perfectly fine controls pretty well with the controller
All right, so let's talk about the gameplay of Portal 2, how it looks, what they did with it. They added a lot of new mechanics with Portal 2. Uh, the first one was largely portals, cubes. We had the energy balls that we used for power. They kind of ran with it. We got a lot of that in this one and a whole lot more. I guess it might be worth starting with maybe initial kind of story setup with how Portal 2 starts to kind of make sense of how these things come into play. Uh, would one of you just kind of want to talk about the, the introduction to Portal 2 and how we, how we get going? So you, uh, you wake up in uh, what seems like a motel apartment and uh, you are awakened by a computer voice and to basically do a bit of exercise like uh, walking around staring at a picture for enjoyment <laughs> and uh, that's a very neat way to um, make a short quick tutorial uh, just to get you going and after going to sleep again you wake up uh, tens of years later to a, to the same apartment that is totally defunct and half destroyed and Wheatley who is a Emotion core mm -hmm. of Glados, I think, oh, nice. uh, wakes you up. A, a rogue emotion core and tells you to talk. You can't talk, so uh, you have to learn how to jump. <laughs> I, love, and, I love that scene so much. Oh, yeah. And yeah, from that, uh, from that moment on, the journey starts. He tries to get you out of there and slowly but surely you, you get to know that you are still shell. The one from the form, uh, from the first game, and yeah, Wheatley tries to um, get you out of there, and plot twists happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta say that opening like cinematic where Wheatley is trying to maneuver your your room like into place. It just awesome like just smashing through things it's like a it's like a cinematic but you're still moving around in it and he's you know just smashing you all around it was just awesome to watch love that part. yeah i couldn't uh, stop grinning for the first hour of the game <laughs> yeah it's incredible yeah the humor and whatnot is just really good throughout the entire experience but like from the get-go it's kind of almost thrown in your face because <laughs> it's all just what's going on and what happened. And then just like, Oh, okay. And you just play through, you learn what's going on. And like virus said, what twists? <laughs> yeah. Very, very unique um, humor compared to a lot of other games where it's not like it's a supporting piece of the game, not the game itself. So we wake up and the, yeah, I think it's a uh, 50,000 years later. The facility is, in various states of disarray, falling apart. Eventually, we find ourselves in the the depths of Aperture Science, and that's where we really start getting introduced to the new mechanics, like the repulsion gel, laser beams, light bridges, tractor beams. Yeah, I don't know a great way to kind of like focus on each of those things uh, in the in the scheme of how it, it fits into the stories, but talking about them. Each individually, I think, has has some merit. Adding more mechanics to the game is, is the natural order of sequels. Uh, so what do you guys think of the, the new experiments? Uh, coming back to that uh, GDC talk, they said that they had these 
energy balls that traveled through space and uh, could hit you from behind and were very slow and they throw, uh, threw them out and put in the laser beams that had the same basic function uh, but were instant and were easier to read so you always know what they do and where they will hit and uh, you could always uh, also use these glass cubes to to reflect the the laser beams so i thought That's a brilliant idea. I hated those uh, energy balls because they were so, so uh, slow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Th those awesome. were infuriating in Portal One, especially <laughs> yeah. if like you miss the mark and you have to like go all the way back and and like, basically redirect a new energy ball along the corridor. Oh, and you, just, you barely missed it, and you're like, oh, okay, I just got the next portal has to be just be you know yeah. three errors lower and it'll work, but or higher. But yeah, just just irritating. <laughs> Yeah, energy balls were a little bit more passive, where the laser beams really get you involved, especially with the glass cubes, directing it and, you know, having mm -hmm. simple science yet makes for fun, fun gameplay. One of the cool things about the laser beams, though, was on some of the level, you have to take revenge on the turrets. Yes. Because you direct those laser beams, like, dot, 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 and just yeah. you get it. It's fireworks! Yay! Take that. Instead of just throwing them around like you could in the first one, this one you gotta you gotta destroy them. In some instances, then we had the repulsion gels, which got a lot of use. Somebody want to talk about those different colors and how they function? Well, there was the blue and I don't know, red or orange. Blue, you you gotta you know it made you bounce so you could get to higher areas, and in combination with the portals, you could use those to get the gel. To different areas as well as to get more momentum to get you higher and further faster the blue one was made you bounce the red orangish one was a speed gel and so you could zip along on that and use that to fly off areas and whatnot to get to some point quicker before you know something slammed down and closed and or just dropped you into the, in the empty space was, i thought it was it was really i mean all the additions were really you know there were tight mechanics they were fun and once you really learned how to use them to good effect. You know, it was like you'd get to a puzzle and you'd be sitting there thinking, well, how do I do this? And you're like, okay, well, I've got gel that comes out over here and it goes over here. But if I shoot a portal over here, I can send it over there. And then, you you know, it's you put all the pieces together and then it comes together. And it, it's just, it's it's a great puzzle game. I think it's a great addition. Yeah, the, the puzzles were really clever. They weren't like overly hard, which was nice. And I... I think the best thing, the one thing I enjoyed the most was you used all these gels basically to just launch yourself as fast as possible to get to the ending. And like, that was, that was just a blast, you know? Yeah. And, and they make it like, you might not exactly know what to do when you enter these chambers, but they kind of limit your options at the beginning where, for instance, you know, they'll have the, the blue gel coming out of a pipe onto a spot that can obviously take a portal. And then you'll look around the room and you'll just kind of shoot the portal wherever you can. It'll shoot. And then you just, you start experimenting and then eventually it all just kind of comes together and they use it like when they start combining them to where you have to do like a path of the orange gel and then a portal to an angled section that will launch you to a place where you threw some blue gel where you'll bounce. Like it sounds really complicated, uh, especially when you look at the later levels, but They, they do a really good job of, of building you up. The, the, 
I think that's one of the strengths of Portal 1 and 2 is that they really they start you off really basic and what you can do, and then they just expand as it goes along. Yeah, and what I like is that these gels seem so cha chaotic. You can um, basically plaster every wall with, with different colored gels, but in the end, the solution to the to the puzzle always is super precise. So as you said, you, you have to speed down the floor into a portal, bounce into into the void, and there's a tractor beam, and uh, you will make a huge leap and will hit that tractor beam, yeah. and um, you won't fall to your death also. It, it just clicks into place. You can't really go wrong with a solution. I found that uh, very, very intriguing. Right, yeah, and the... The whole like quick restart like really helps like if you do oh, yeah. like fall into a pit or into a, a, a liquid like that there's throw you right back into the game uh, not a whole lot of messing around and so yeah so you mentioned the the tractor beam so we had also have tractor beams and light bridges so so what are those and how are those used the light bridges were usually just you could walk into an area and it was shooting it would go straight into a wall which you could stick a portal on, and then you had to figure out, well, where do I put the other portal that will extend that light bridge to where I need to go? And so you had an area where you could walk on, and but then you also had to figure out, okay, later on it was, okay, now I've done this first part of it, where do I shoot the next one that will take me to the next area I've got to go? Okay, and now I've got to do it while I'm standing on the one that as soon as I shoot the portal, it's going to disappear. So I've got to stand where I'm going to fall on the next light bridge that's going to get made after I cast the portal. And <laughs> and, and then, the, then the light bridges shift to vertical later on. So they're iterating again, and you're blocking turrets from shooting you by a light bridge, you know. Yep, blocking turrets, Jeez. blocking blocks from being launched, blocking yourself, mm -hmm. like... They, they get really creative and the, the tractor beams uh, are pretty straightforward. It's just, it's a, it's a single directional beam that you float through that you'll use through portals to create paths. But then later on, they, they, they make them reversible and then they make you use both directions to, to get through some of these levels as well, or like use tractor beams to float uh, blocks to push switches like talking about the game uh, without context makes it sound really complicated. <laughs> and the, to be fair, there are some levels that kind of get like a little head scratcher, but with enough just randomly shooting portals and checking your different options, you'll you figure it out. You figure it out. And we'll, we'll, we'll add some more context to kind of why are we doing all these things and because the robots are telling us to. It's a robot <laughs> overload. <laughs> I mean, basically, that's. Which one, uh, which, one, which one am I actually working for? Is it yeah. or Glados? <laughs> yeah, not much changed because the first game, you know, you're you're going through as an unsuspecting test subject, and you know, then you get a peek behind behind the curtain and see that there's more going on, and of course, the big twist at the end there. And this one's not a whole lot different, yeah, because from the get go, we kind of have Wheatley leading us along, and uh, Glados. So, it's, of course, there's going to be spoilers. Let's talk about the facility, because uh, that's kind of a, I mean, we spend all of our time in the facility. Uh, there's a lot of story told indirectly through the environments. So we get to a point where we 
are we get sent down into the depths of Aperture, and Aperture is a a unique organization, I guess. Uh, I don't know a better way to describe it. They experiment a lot. They very wasteful, I, I guess. <laughs> Their original Aperture science facility was built in 1950. And then as years progress and they make successes or decide to shut down projects instead of like reusing or rebuilding, they just build on top. So it's just like facility on top of facility on top of facility. And when we fall down, we kind of start learning about Aperture because this far, we there's really minimal information that we've gotten. We know there was people at some point that were wiped out by... GLaDOS and the nerve toxin. And this really peels back the layers and shows us how the, all, all the automation works. So we'll, we'll kind of start shifting into some of the, the story parts of this and how they all kind of connect together. Once we fall down, we get to the original Aperture. I wrote down that because they changed their names, Aperture Science Innovators. So would, would one of you be willing to kind of Talk about that, maybe maybe a little bit about the, the person that we're introduced to, Cave Johnson, and what he's about, and this is where we kind of start putting the pieces together. If I remember correctly, uh, the the whole uh, company started as a shower curtain manufacturer, is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this guy, Cave, Cave Johnson, voiced by J.K. Simmons, had some really interesting ideas how to experiment and create these new kinds of technology. You're introduced to him uh, by voice. Uh, he, he doesn't speak to you directly. It's uh, like uh, tapes that play when you enter the facility that is directed at the, at the staff working there and can find a portrait of him where he's young and looking strong. Yeah, you can... You can um, Glance a lot of information from your surroundings. There's there's a cabinet with uh, trophies for Cave Johnson, who is the best manufacturer or second best manufacturer of shower uh, <laughs> curtains in the area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, as you climb higher and higher in the facility, you will encounter different time, be like different eras of of aperture. Yeah, exactly. And you will find more portraits of him where he looks uh, older and weaker from portrait to portrait and everything he says gets wackier and wackier. So at first he's just super weird and then he goes even nuttier from that. Yeah, uh, a little couple notes that I made about the facility is that it was originally, it started as a, a salt mine in Idaho in 1947. As you mentioned, Aperture Fixtures was, was founded in 1943. And then, yeah, he just starts... Uh, somehow he got involved with uh, moon rocks and grinding them up into moon dust. And that's kind of where all these uh, experiments come from. The repulsion gels. I, I think those are contain this moon dust. Every All these things are, are, are the moon dust. Yeah, as we learn as we progress through the philosophy facility over the years that apparently moon dust is toxic and affected cave Johnson and which kind of leads us into our other main character of the game GLaDOS and it gives us basically her origin story 
where she came from, what she's about. Yeah, so Caroline uh, seems to be Cave Johnson's assistant, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. and she seems nice and not very smart. Cave Johnson's idea is that she has to be, uh, her mind has to be transferred to GLaDOS so, she, so that she can live on while he dies, eventually from moon dust poisoning. But GLaDOS doesn't know that. And by the end of the game, she realizes that um, she is Caroline and Caroline helps to, helps to see her human side and uh, look at things from the human perspective. And then she gets deleted. <laughs> yeah, uh, GLaDOS is a bit maniacal. You kind of get the impression that uh, by the end of the game, you've been working together. You know, the first game, adversaries, you, you essentially kill her which she reminds you about quite a bit at the beginning of Portal 2 of all the horrible things you did. But you work together and yeah, she she kind of comes to a realization of who she is. Yeah, and then uh, once she kind of regains control, yeah, she just hits the delete button. Back back to business. Yeah. And at some point she has to rely on you cuz she's just like a potato <laughs> at that point, you know. Just a potato. Yeah. For a good chunk of the game, GLaDOS is a potato. A very sassy potato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only fitting. Yeah. When she started uh, fat shaming me, I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that very much. Yeah. Uh, and kind of re related to that. And it was its own thing. And I think people were reading too much into it. But there was actually a bit of controversy when Portal 2 was first released because of some of the things that GLaDOS had said about, yeah, about the fat shaming, about um, making jokes about being adopted. I think that, <laughs> oh, yeah, that got, that that's mainly what got the heat was uh, people are, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the game or the company like making fun of adopted people. It was, you know, there's, there's social stigmas. And of course, GLaDOS is using sarcasm and, all the tools she can to belittle Shell <laughs> just for because that's what she does. She's just a twisted, uh, petty artificial intelligence, I guess. So we mentioned Wheatley. Can we expand a little bit on Wheatley? Because we spend a lot of time with him throughout this game. Yeah, so Wheatley is a dampening core uh, meant to kind of uh, lower the brilliance of GLaDOS and put her in her place a bit. And uh, he's voiced by uh, Stephen Merchant. Uh, that's why I played this game in English. You can probably hear uh, that's not my native language, but I love that guy and he's talking non-stop. I, I don't think I knew who that was when I first played this game, but now, you know, coming back to it, I'm like, just super fan of, of him. I wasn't entirely clear on it. It sounded like they gave him a little bit of uh, opportunity to ad-lib a little bit, but I couldn't find specifics on that. I saw some mentions here and there, just kind of letting him 
be himself and use his his style. I'm not s- terribly familiar with him. Uh, I've seen a little bit of the the original Office, and that's mostly what he's known for. I think. Oh yeah, you, you have to watch extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great. That and um, <laughs> once again, in the uh, GDC talk, they say that J.K. Simmons came in for six hours or so and put in all his lines and was done with it. And for Stephen Merchant, they had 16 and a half hours and he would just ad-lib all the time. And it was totally fine by every by everyone because um, they, they could cherry pick the lines they liked and it worked. Yeah. The portal games, I think uh, the gameplay is, of course, a huge element. It's fun, but really the thing that keeps you going and gives you the encouragement to play is the writing and the characters. Yeah, that's that's really the strength lies, especially with Portal 2. You have all this fun gameplay, inventive mechanics, but it's really these characters and that keeps you going, wants you to figure out what like what's going on. Who are these people? Why are you know Wheatley is Wheatley is bonkers. He gets control eventually of the facility and being the um I think he's called a moron core or something like that it leads to interesting results as well. Because of course he, he's trying to replace GLaDOS and once he takes over, then there's all kinds of like oddities happening. Like the, the cubes are getting combined with turrets and some other weird stuff going on. So I guess more specifically about the story, how did you guys feel about the story of Portal 2 in comparison to Portal 1 on its own. Yeah, I don't know if I remember much of the Portal 1 story. I mean, maybe it's just that, you know, forgettable. I don't know. But this one just, like, I was constantly engaged the whole time for for Portal 2. Just the, the constant barrage of jokes and humor. Yeah, just kept me fully engaged the whole time. Like, I think my notes, I wrote down just all the, the jokes that I laughed audibly, you know. <laughs> there were just so many of them. Yeah, there were, the, the humor in it definitely, it keeps you going. And, you know, because there's also a part where I think GLaDOS is making fun of you because of your parentage and that they're dead. You know, oh, and talking about, you know, re- I don't remember if it was relatives or friends, family, you know, what cousins, cousins, nephews, what nieces, whatever. But she's sitting there just berating her about, oh, yeah, and they're all dead. And you're basically you, your mind to toy with and keep going. And, you know, um, but the story, I can't remember much of the first one. The, just the general outline of the story of, okay, you're here and you're trying to escape and the robot's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And for for me, part of the the thing I really loved about the original Portal is that, like, you see the trailers. It looks like this interesting first person puzzle game, and at the time, there wasn't really anything else like it. So that kind of had that going for it. And so you're just playing this game, you're going through these, doing these experiments, and messing around with portals. All while you have this this uh, disembodied voice kind of like giving you encouragement, but then like slowly, like, like the cracks slipping through that there's something more going on. Uh, They keep promising you like 
cake, but you know, it's, it's, that seems unlikely. And then eventually throughout the first game, you'll see like a wall panel will be dislodged. And that's really when uh, you first learn, like, like there's something a little bit more going on with this game and with the story itself. When you start seeing these like wall scribblings talking about the, like the cakes a lie and the, the, the drawings of the companion cube and, and then basically at the end learning that, Oh, she was, you're, you're just a test subject. You fulfilled your usefulness. Now it's time to be disposed of and you managed to escape. And then as you escape, then you come across GLaDOS beat the end boss and that's it. Like the story is very, very basic. And I think that's why it's perfect for the length of time that the game is. But that, that, that little slice of stories serves so much into setting up for portal two and giving you all the uh, background information you need really uh, to just dive in. And then everything else is just expanded on and enhanced and they should run with it. Going off of what Oazram said, does, doesn't she tease that, oh, I basically found your parents in in the test chamber and like, oh, I'm going to reintroduce you in the next chamber. And then that's when she's like, oh, no, they're actually dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very dark. <laughs> but just, and she's just matter of fact about it. She's just not like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't, I, I misled you and I didn't really understand and know or whatever. It's like, no, I totally just pulled one over on you and you were stupid for thinking that this could even be a possibility. Yeah, there's so many lines that are worth like just within people who've have played the game. Like you say these lines and like, oh, they're great. But for anybody who ha- hasn't played the game, obviously that you know they have no idea. Yeah, lots of great jokes. Uh, one of my favorite, like right when you get reintroduced to Glados, like you're not really sure what's going on with the story, especially if you played it, you know, before it became kind of like a pop culture thing. But then rediscovering that GLaDOS has been re- resurrected uh, on your by your own hands, un- unfortunately. And just the uh, when she says, like, just, the, it's, oh, it's you. It's been a long time. For me, that was just like, oh, it gave me chills. Because we learned to love GLaDOS, but at the time, she was just a menacing, murderous robot, as far as we knew. Uh, shout out to Ellen McLean and, and her, her voice work. What a what a cool character Glados is her delivery and all the other things she voiced too. Any, do you guys think there's anything else worth sharing about Glados? I think we. She's terribly afraid of birds, one particular bird. And I think <laughs> uh, in the in the multiplayer uh, version in the co-op mode, she'll um, re-encounter that particular bird. I think I, I haven't played it. I just uh, read a quick summary and that makes me want to play uh, that with a friend just to experience it it might have i might have missed it there's a lot of like little things that they'll throw into the background like at one point while you're playing through portal 2 wheatley takes over the facility and he's you know he instead of letting you go uh, he he gets like a power drunk and uh, has this whole facility. So he throws you down into the facility. He's going to make you do all this testing. And at some point he mentions that he uh, discovered an abandoned program 
the cooperative testing initiative. So he mentions that and kind of leads you that like, he won't really need you anymore. But then there's a couple times in the distance, like if you just happen to see it, you can actually see while you're playing through the single player campaign as Chell, you can actually see uh, Atlas and Peabody like run off, like through a door real quick or something like, especially towards the end of the game. I think it only happens like, like a couple times. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of strength to the indirect storytelling. Uh, I think is great, as we already had mentioned. Okay, so then with Portal 2, we also had an expansion of, of gameplay. They added a, a co-op chunk to the game, which actually does have some story implications, even though they're they're pretty minor. And the connections are kind of neat that gives it a validity for being there and not just kind of like, Oh, here is some fun two player things you can do. Uh, did everybody get a chance to try the, the co-op or have you played it before? I played it back when the game first released. I didn't get a chance to replay it for, for this podcast, but I remember it was, it was really portal to, you know, all the clever puzzles that, or in the single player, and it was a blast. Yeah, Church and I played it, and it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun, especially with like the light clicks for both people at the same time, but they they shoot at different spots, and they turn and quickly know where they're supposed to shoot the other beam and cancel each other's portal. And like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's really interesting how they they blended two portals into uh, with the co op using four portals and. They kind of throw everything at you. And some like some of these levels are like you really gotta just kinda of like sit there and like stare and look and think yep. and just start shooting portals and Did you think they were more difficult than the uh single player puzzles? Not not really, because it was it was pretty much once you started figuring out what it was, they okay, we need to do this, this, and this, and then I think the the most difficulty we had there was one puzzle where you had to run and hit two levers, but the um, there were some platforms that would drop if you didn't do it in time. And I think it took us three or four times to both get to the levers and hit them in time. And it was just a, a small tweaking that we had to do. But I don't think I think I don't think the difficulty was ramped up or anything for the multiplayer. Yeah, just it, it just adds a. a, a another layer of complexity um, yeah. having, having the, have used four portals. They seem comp- more complicated, but I think at the same time, you got two brains working on it. It <laughs> helps a lot. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend anybody who has the ability to, to, to play that. I think it's good to play it after finishing the game, just because yeah. like, kind of like that little story implication while you're playing through the co-op, you're actually not just doing tests for for the sake of science every once in a while you're sent for an objective even though it's not exactly clear what these things are while you're doing them you're actually like reactivating the facility um uh repairing a few things for for glados to 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 get access to uh essentially an unlimited supply of test subjects and uh do all the the testing that her her uh, OS could desire, I guess. Yeah, and poor Atlas and Peabody are just construct- deconstructed and constructed and blown up, and just like I think it was at the end of every level, 
like, yeah, poof, you're done. You, know, you don't go to, you don't, you're not transported in the tubes to the next level. You're just dismantled. And then you just, another set of shells is used to continue on. And <laughs> But one interesting thing was when one of the people died, like if your portal was using the light bridge to block the turrets and you both forget about, oh, I died, my portals are gone. And you run out and all of a sudden you're, da, 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 and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely can get a little, a little, um, hectic there yeah but it was a lot of i had i had a lot of fun with it and you know it wasn't what, what, we went through all was it 40 or 50 levels in two hours or so yeah yeah it doesn't take too long and they they do some really interesting things definitely worth that and then also you can play user-made maps which is a, a great thing that Valve always does is, in the past anyways, is supported the modding community and implemented a system where you can uh, upload and download user, user-made maps. Did, did you guys try any of, any of those at all? I jumped into a quick match or quick, quick map, whatever, uh, and it was, it was great. But I only tried one, and um, I'm pretty happy that all of them are still online. So if you if you search for one and want to download it, it goes right to Steam. You can download it and play it. Nice. I think that's great. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to play any user created. Yeah, I, I think the for me the the since the story is such a integral part of the experience for me, removing that aspect and just playing fun. Puzzle challenges would be fun, but not the experience I was looking for exactly. So I haven't really played much, much of the user-made stuff. Yeah, that's true. When I played the, this one map, I, I thought, well, this is well made, but you get some some voice samples, but it's not like in the story where you get teased and those crazy people talk to you. So the novelty wore off very quickly, and I was like, this is neat. Okay, I'm done with it. With the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's the there's the small connection to the Half Life series. Oh yes, thank that, you for bringing that up. You know, because I mean, everyone's waiting for Half Life Three. I mean, the selling point for the orange box was to get Half Life Two and Episode One and Two, and but it was a great great way to get people like, oh, I've already got this game, so let me try Portal. It's a great way to introduce them to that, but. You know, having that little connection there, and you're like, oh, there's some small little piece about the Half-Life in here. And yeah, yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. And then you're like, okay, so there's something that could be done after science could have something to do with stuff going on in the next um, you know, Half-Life 3 or whenever, whatever happens sometime in the future. Yeah, expanding that lore is, for me, it was really exciting because you're just playing through this random first person puzzle game that was included with the orange box well while you're playing the game again like a lot of people might not even looked at it unless they're like i'm a very inquisitive person i always check like every corner and i examine things and it's just as you're passing by this room there's a glass window and there's like like a powerpoint presentation that's going automatically and it's just talking about like some aperture goals and they're showing some, some bar trap, uh, bar, bar graphs and whatnot. And then one of the slides, uh, flips over and just says they're basically their biggest competitor is black Mesa. 
And I saw that. I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't really think, you know, oh, just a little neat thing that didn't really apply to much. And then, of course, in the, the beloved Still Alive song at the end of Portal 1, GLaDOS also mentions Black Mesa there. But then the, the connection really came in, in, in Half-Life 2 when they talked about a program called the a Vessel, I think, uh, was the Borealis. The Borealis. Which we're not really sure because they haven't really got that far into that. Hopefully we'll, we'll get some more of that. But is that, you know, does that contain, you know, the, the aperture facility? Like how do these, how do these pieces come together? There was a, a write-up that um, the, the half-life and portal writer, uh, Chet, uh, is it Fel, Felsnick, Felsnick, something like that. The original writer, basically he, he left valve some years ago and he essentially wrote a short story that is, he says is it's not half life three in quotations. Like he changes some names. So like, he can't have like liabilities, but it's like, it's basically what the story, uh, at least that he was working on or planning would have been and how it tied it all together. And here's hoping that still happens, which I don't know if any of you guys are, are VR guys. And I've had a chance to play half life Alex but that's pretty significant to this this whole universe. Like it really kicks things back into gear. It, Half-Life Alex is not Half-Life 3, but I mean if you played it, it pretty much it pretty much confirmed Half-Life 3. I mean people could say that with, with Half-Life Episode 2. They're like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's gonna happen, right? Ten years. I mean we got Half-Life Alex, so you know. Their valves always gonna when they put out their games, they're they're gonna they want them to be innovative and like leader in class. So uh, it's unfortunate it's been so long since they put out a game, but maybe that's for the best because they didn't have any great innovations or ideas. And Half Life Alex, like that, it really takes on that torch. Like it has that that valve level of innovation and polish and here's hoping we can get that tie-in we'll never know because right now valve is uh, synonymous with not making third games no half-life 3 no left for death left for dead 3 no team fortress 3 no portal 3 yet hopefully that changes they can skip three and just call it Portal Four and Half Life Four. I don't care. I just want, I just want <laughs> yeah. the next. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the heat off of them. Just like yeah. don't do three. Don't just do four. It can take place exactly straight after it. I don't care <laughs> if it's Half Life Part Two, A. <laughs> but yeah, but how many did any of you guys feel like as soon as you started playing Portal, you're like, oh man, this really makes me want to go back and play Half Life Two. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, gravity gun and whatnot. Yeah, I, I must admit, I never played Half Life Two. I played the Alpha that leaked two years before the actual oh, wow. game released, or so, and that was great. But when the game came out, I was already playing other stuff and not interested in Half Life Two anymore. This was actually my first uh, experience with the Source engine in that state. Yeah, and here's hoping that Half Life. Alex comes to PSVR 2, yes. so I can experience that. Yeah, that, I think that'd be awesome. And who knows, if, if they go with this VR direction, maybe, who knows, maybe Portal 3 will be, be a VR game. 
I don't want to have to buy a computer to play one game because I, I yeah. probably would for that one and for a VR headset. I got to upgrade eventually, but you know, mm-hmm. it's been a decade. Yeah. It's, it's a few more years. I won't. I won't talk about the lengths that I went to be able to play Half Life, Alex. But <laughs> I went to great lengths for that. <laughs> yeah. So just some other like random things from Portal Two that I thought would be fun to touch on. So as I we mentioned. A lot of this technology, including uh, the portal gun, were powered by moon dust, which was kind of just like little mentions throughout the story. But if you're really paying attention, and it, it all comes to head at the end where I think they make it pretty obvious of what's going on when you have the final showdown with Wheatley and some of the facility collapses and up above in the sky, you see the moon and... Uh, like there's nothing you can do at this point. You're, you're down on the ground. There's no other surfaces. You have your portal gun in your hand. Wheatley is about ready to take you out. The only option you have is to shoot a portal at the moon and leads to a pretty epic ending and some great post game jokes with some of the core cores there. One of the cores was the, um, the space core that just, I just love space. That's all it did. It just, <laughs> Shout space and finally gets out there and some good jokes with Wheatley floating in space. And the, the one thing I liked at the end there was GLaDOS says, well, this is the part where he kills us. And then Wheatley says, hello, this is the part where I kill you. <laughs> and then an achievement comes up right after that, that says, this is the part where he kills you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I wish I still got those achievement, but since I got them before, like they yeah. don't trigger on on Steam again. Because yeah, I, I love how they implemented those into the humor as well. Some behind the scenes stuff when you're working with Wheatley um, to try to get to uh, shutting down Glados after she's been reactivated, messing with the the turret system, I think was really cool. Like they really make you do a lot more with the turrets in this game uh, compared to the first game where they're just obstacles um this one you actually interfere with their production you swap out like i like how they use like a correctly made one as the blank to to create all the other ones and you just swap that out with a default one and it like messes up the whole production and they even the turrets are self-aware enough where they realize that you know they're 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 broken and now get a second chance i thought that was funny and humorous and kind of adorable at the same time the one thing i I wrote down was when you're uh going to destroy the the neurotoxin generator there's a sign on the wall that says in case of implosion look directly at implosion which i thought was (laughs) you know silly funny um but later in the gdc presentation they talked about that sign specifically and in playtesting the people wouldn't look at the implosion and the dev team like put a lot of time into that and they wanted people to see it so they slapped that sign on there so people would watch it <laughs> that's yeah that's that's brilliant that's that's really cool and also with the um the neurotoxin part using the environment to interact with other things because uh, there's the big neurotoxin machine with all the the tubes and you have to sever the tubes and you sh- shoot a portal and then you use a laser. And then as the platform moves, it like cuts all those just r- really cool stuff. How uh, they really ran with expanding on everything and, and making use of the environments. Mm-hmm.
talk a little bit about the the music and how all that fits in with Portal 2. Uh, Portal 2 expands a lot on the music compared to the first game. Uh, first game was very just kind of atmospheric, ambient, very background. Uh, this does that as well, but they do a lot more dynamic theming and dynamic music as you play through the game, depending on sometimes when you're interacting with things and being launched, um, like the music might swell up or do little jing- like chimes and jingles. So what'd you guys think about the music overall? Whether do you think it st- stood out more than the first game? Were there like notable songs that really kind of caught your attention? Yeah, I, th- I thought it stood out more of, for sure. Uh, in these dramatic moments when you are fleeing from uh, Wheatley and he tries to kill you and the mu- music swells, o- swells up, it's super nice. But there was no song that stuck in my head, unlike the first one where the song in the credits is still in my head and it <laughs> won't go. The song in the end uh, in this game was also very, very fun with the, with those lyrics still taunting you. And Yeah, and that is Want You Gone, which was the same writer uh, and singer from uh, Still Alive from the first game. Uh, Jonathan Colton wrote that with Ellen McLean, of course, voicing GLaDOS doing the lyrics. I think that song Still Alive gets all the attention. But I think Want You Gone is very deserving. This is a very, very similar song. It gives you lots of little cues. Uh, there's some speculation from the, some of the lyrics that I, I forget exactly what line it was, but it might implicate that GLaDOS didn't actually delete Coraline from her memory, which, you know, could, could be neat and a nice little little touch there. I definitely like those kind of chase or like, yeah, kind of chase sequences where the music was coming up. It lent itself well to that kind of like you're trying to get away from either Wheatley or GLaDOS, whatever part of the game you're in. And the ending song, I I thought it was pretty catchy. I like, you know, but definitely the same experience. It's not, I can't even think about it in my head, but, you know, still a lie is there. Yeah, I pretty much just agree with all all of that. The you know it it helped and it added, and it was you know better than the original, like it had a bigger budget. <laughs> but the the fun, the end credit song, I mean, still alive. I mean, you could probably get a bunch of people together who played through Portal years ago, and be like, all right, we're gonna have the Cartridge Club chorus for Still Alive, and probably you know, half the people at least would be like, oh yeah, you know, Aperture Science. And then start going with it, and everyone will take off with it and have fun. But it was the one for this one. Want you gone? You know, it was good, but I think it would have been hard. And obviously, it it didn't live up to still alive. But I mean, I don't know how you would have because you get to the end of that, and you're, and you know, it's just Glados. It's like, yep, that's Glados. <laughs> yeah, very still alive, and I mean portal and portal two is just constantly like it's been subverting expectations. And I think that's really where like still alive kind of like set itself apart again. Cause there wasn't like other games didn't really do anything like that. Not saying there wasn't like comedic games or funny songs and games before, but not, not like this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm with you guys. Like a lot of times, backing music doesn't really stand out to me as much. For some reason, I, I seem to have like a a weird disconnect with like orchestrated or like electronic music as a game soundtrack compared to chip tunes. Like chip tunes, like really, they, they like they really stand out to me. You know, like NES games, Super Nintendo games, like all those songs, but when I play like more modern games that use or, 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 uh, orchestrated music, uh, it doesn't stand out to me as much and it's less memorable. One thing that valve does tend to do with a lot of their games is in moments of excitement, they do like kind of like pump up these like bombastic, like intense songs, which are really cool, but I can't think of how any of those went off, off the top of my head. I, I love uh, Want You Gone. And then also at the end of the game, there's, it's kind of out of place a little bit, but maybe not. As you're being sent out of the facility, you are going up in this elevator and it stops at this floor. It opens up and there's some turrets sitting right there. As you would expect that you're being set up to die and the turrets shut off their their tracking laser and then go into this opera song, which it's very out of place, but I think it was really cool. It's kind of this interesting send-off to the, to the game, to Chell, to the player. It's almost fourth wall breaking in a way. The song's called Cara Mia Adio. Apparently it was kind of like made on the spot and Ellen McLean came up with some of the music just like off of like the little bit of Italian that she, she knew, which is kind of interesting. And then they, they throw in some nods to random like in-game advertisements you saw for like other models of turrets, like the, the animal turret with the cheetah print. And there's like a big, like big kind of like fat turret. And that ends up, they all end up in the, in the, um, the opera there at the end. What'd you guys think of that little uh, odd moment of the game? Just that it was kind of odd and surprising, and you know, because you you think you're like, oh crud, there's a bunch of turrets right there. Well, that was fun, but no, they start singing at you. And like, <laughs> okay, and then like the, the big one, you're like, oh look, there's a mother turret or whatever. I mean, maybe that's the antagonist from for Portal Three. Yeah. You hurt all my children, and now I'm going to get you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely weird, but I don't know. It, it, you know, they throw a lot of weird stuff at you in this game. And, and then, yeah, just kind of wrapping up everything at the end of the game there. Chell exits the facility. As I mentioned, this is Idaho in, you know, 50,000 years in the future. So you exit this elevator box, and it's just like wheat as far as you can see. And then there's some some clanging in the background. You turn around and look, and they spit out a, the companion cube, which is just, I don't know, a, a funny little touch there at the end because the companion cube, it's, it's all you got at this point. Yeah, that part of the game for me, I don't know what the, the frame rate looked off in that the ending scene like all that motion like made it look totally different from the rest of the game for me personally i don't know if you guys had a same yeah, yeah. totally i, okay. I think it's um because like uh i think it's just a cinematic yeah, yeah. for some reason i, I might have been at I, I don't remember at the time if we would have played it 
back then if frame rates would have been comparable, but now with like high end PCs where I get like hundreds of FPS in Portal 2, yeah, it was a little bit jarring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they actually did the same in, in Doom Eternal, where the game is 60 FPS or depending on your PC, 120 or so. And for one scene, they use a cinematic and it's uh, compressed and looks so weird. And in Portal 2, it was the same thing. When you, when you start getting up the elevator, it's just a video. Yeah, and it looks it looks weird, but it was okay. Yeah. And I, I think the companion cube was still smoldering, which was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was black and... Years in the in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. Apparently, they wanted you to have it, but they didn't want you to have a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> why we can't have nice things because you keep breaking everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's this one uh, scene where. Um, where Gladys taunts you with uh, companion cubes and always gives you one and then disintegrates it. Uh, that was a nice touch, too. Yeah, just a just mess with you. I guess as we kind of wrap up things here i want to kind of get like your guys's final thoughts overall like what do you think about portal 2 how do you feel like about its quality is it a game you would recommend is it a game that you would would you play it again would you play a sequel i think i think it's it's a great addition to it i like the the extra touches with the the gel and the light beams and uh, the laser bolt laser laser beams just and it just adds to the complexity but it's still not, it's not over the top. It just, it made it more fun, more, you know, you might have to rack your brain a little bit more on some of the puzzles. And, you know, a lot of times it felt like you went into a room and you saw a couple of things and you got this one mindset and then you're like, oh no, I didn't realize this. These two other things were in, involved, and, but you like, you can't wrap your mind around it. And it just takes you, you know, an extra five, 10 minutes to be, oh, okay. Just every, all the preconceptions, just toss those out. But I'd I'd play it again. I'd play I'd definitely play the sequel. You know, and it might be fun to play Portal One and Portal Two back to back at some point. Especially if they announce a Portal Three, I'm sure there'd be plenty of us who'd play at least play Portal Two, if not go back and play Portal One and then two and as a way to get ready for three. Mm-hmm. So you can jump in and, and be ready for it. Yeah. I agree. It's 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 on my it's gotta be top twenty for me, like Portal Two. I grew up PC gaming, Valve kind of fanboy, played all the Half-Lifes and Left 4 Deads and Team Fortress. So this one kind of just fit fits right in. Yeah, I just love the love the story, the humor. You know, they could have gone easy and, and made, you know, just let's just throw more test chambers at, at them for Portal 2 and, you know, gone out like that. But, you know, it started like that and quickly went off the rails, like, you're behind the scenes. You have these, you know, giant rooms where you're trying to solve a, a like a test chamber puzzle on. So it just, you know, it, you could it just open up all these possibilities. Plus the new ability, you know, the new um, gels and lasers. Yeah, just it's it's a it's an awesome game for me. Yeah, uh, I I'm not uh, a real puzzle fan. I. Uh discovered while playing it and i i love the first one and the second one is better in every way 
but I think it drags a bit at the end. So when they put 19 more uh, test chambers in front of me, I was like, what, 19 more? No, I thought I was at the end and um, I was still two or three hours away. So uh, the game is super great, but I still prefer the first one, which is a bit weird, but that's how it is. And I'd still give the second one nine out of 10 easily. I think one one thing that the first game had is that like they had this this concept, this idea it's a small bite sized game that at that time, like the indie scene hadn't really blown up where these smaller indie games or like uh didn't couldn't get like their own release, so they ended up doing the orange orange box, which like absolutely brilliant marketing that they did with that uh, what you got with that where portal 2 i think still had kind of that mentality going with it where they needed it to be like possibly a certain length so yeah kind of like middle towards the end yeah when you see the oh 19 more chambers you're kind of like okay um i mean i'm still having a great time and everything but yeah i I definitely understand how you feel about that um I, I I tend to look at like game or franchises a little bit differently than some people is I have a hard time separating games, especially when they, they're like so connected. So for me, it, like I couldn't, I, I don't know if I could recommend somebody portal one without saying you got to play portal two as well. Um, they, it, even though you could just play portal one and, you know, if somebody's really not feeling it, then yeah, I wouldn't hold it against them if they didn't want to play Portal 2. But it's like, if you play Portal 1, you enjoy it. Like, yeah, I definitely got to move on and play Portal 2 to kind of see how, how that story plays out and the fun things they do with the gameplay. I have a lot of uh, a lot of favorite games of all time. Uh, Portal and Portal 2 are higher up on that list for me. Um, I absolutely love the games. I, I don't know, something just... They, they, largely it's the story, story and the characters. Like I lo- the gameplay is a ton of fun. Uh, for me, I'm really attracted to story sometimes over gameplay, which that at times I can, that'll make me maybe ignore some faults of some games. Not saying, I don't think there's much to complain about um, for the portal games, but I would absolutely recommend portal one. I think is that is one of the, one of the few games that I think, like I, it's bold to say, but I think every every gamer should play. And anytime somebody who's not familiar with video games or doesn't play video games wants to get introduced to video games, I think Portal is a, a especially the first one is a fantastic game to do that. It's it's bite sized, it it it's simple, and it kind of it allows you to kind of think outside the box a little bit while adhering to a lot of the normal gaming conventions that we've kind of, we we've learned as gamers over the years to just know how to do some of these things where people who aren't familiar with games don't really know some of these assumptions that we make. And portal does a really good job of avoiding some of those traps while allowing people to figure these things out on their own. Yes, absolutely. I recommend the Portal games. I, I, I love them. Absolutely love them. And I was so excited that 
uh, Cartridge Club was covering Portal 2. And I mentioned that um, it was just a few weeks ago, the latest Nintendo Direct, uh, Portal 1 and 2 got announced. I forget what the collection's called, but it's basically the two games together are being released for Nintendo Switch, which is interesting in, for many way, many reasons. Like, Portal 2 has been out now for 10 years at this point. Like, why now is it getting a Switch port? Why haven't we had other ports? So it's not on the PlayStation 4, it's not on the Xbox One. So it's curious that we're getting a Switch port, uh, port at this point. And also at the same time, I think I'm, uh, even though I'm not a Switch player myself, I don't have a Switch, I will have one eventually, I just haven't yet. I think it's really exciting that that platform is getting these games because there's so many people at this point as years go on that, you know, there's new gamers and accessibility becomes more challenging with some of these older games that this is going to give like an entire new generation uh, of gamers access to, to this experience. And it'll be interesting to see how it's received all these years later from a fresh set of eyes portal and portal Two, kind of like pioneering some of the things that they did and all the games that have taken inspiration since them to see how these hold up uh, to new gamers. Like is, is interesting, but at the same time, it's like, it's super curious. Why, why now that we're getting a switch port of portal one and two, like, it, it makes me really hopeful. I'm trying not to like, like overhype myself for something that might never happen, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to be a Valve fan and not get like incredibly excited over like the most like innocuous things, especially it's, that we, we just had a half-life Alex and, oh man. It's so know. true. They, they, they don't go on release dates. They just work on what they want to work on and release oh, yeah. it when they're ready. Good old Valve time. <laughs> so, uh, it's a very, a very funny wiki page if, if anybody hasn't seen it. Well, let listeners know upcoming uh, Cartridge Club games of the month. Uh, so currently, uh, March, we're in March. March is March Madness with Curtis, previous host of CC Portable. And he's kind of bringing back that March Madness theme this month with uh, Castlevania. And he's covering all Castlevania handheld games. Uh, I think the GBA was kind of the focus, but it's everything. So whatever games you can play them play one play two play all of them uh, but yeah definitely the, the there's a lot going on on twitter discord lots of discussions going on so for anybody who wants to get involved absolutely do that april is the legend of zelda twilight princess and then announcing the cartridge club game of the month for may episode seven is sewer shark the 1992 Sega CD FMV rail shooter. And it also has a 3DO port. So if you can't play it on Sega CD, 3DO is your, is your place. <laughs> uh, so that would be a lot of uh, fun. That's actually a game that I've been, I've had for a while and I haven't played. So. <laughs> so does that mean that if you play the game on a switch, cause it's technically also a handheld and you play the Castlevania collection, 
<laughs> you got all. I, I, I think that would probably be a fair argument. We'll have to bring that up with with Curtis. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would accept it. As long know, as it's Castlevania. Yeah, as long as it's Castlevania, and you know, you can't play it in talk mode though. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, so that is going to do it for this episode of the Cartridge Club Game of the Month podcast. Again, if you'd like to get involved with the club, I'd encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cartridge Club NA. You can also visit our Discord, which has a lot of discussions this month, Portal 2. Uh, there's also Cartridge Club forums at cartridgeclub.org and the uh, Facebook community and group pages. Uh, to those of you who are interested in supporting the club beyond a review of the podcast app of your choice. I'd like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community. We're extremely grateful to those supporters. And if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look into how you can do that at patreon.com slash cartridge club. And then I want to give you all a chance to uh, plug social medias, any other things you might be doing online for people to check out. Um, so, uh, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, Ross. Uh, yeah, you can, I have a Twitter handle at R Rengo, R E N G O. Otherwise, uh, if you're a part of the polykill Patreon, I'm in that discord. Awesome. Roger. Um, I'm on Twitch and YouTube. You can just look for a Wasrum. Same with Twitter. You can look at a Wasrum or just, uh, Google it or duck, duck, go it or whatever your search engine of preference is. <laughs> Perfect. Vire? And I'm on uh, Twitter, at Vaya45, and I only post beat tweets, basically. You can also find me in the Polykill Discord. And um, if you see YouTube commenta- uh, comments by Hans Gruber, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. And then uh, I'm Church. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as The Game Grinder. Uh, I also... A co-host uh, another podcast the game tennis podcast and then yeah the occasional uh, host of cartridge club game of the month so then with that said we look forward to hearing from you soon thank you for joining us cc unite to kill me twice Oh how we laughed and laughed Except I wasn't laughing Under the circumstances I've been shockingly nice You want your freedom to be That's what I'm counting on I used to Is heavy. Now little Carolyn is in you too. One day they woke me up so I could live forever. It's such a shame the same will never happen to you. You got your short set life That's what I'm counting on. I'll let you get Did you think I meant you?
would be funny if it weren't so sad. Well, you have been replaced. I don't need anyone now. When I delete you, maybe I'll stop feeling so bad. Go make some new disasters. That's what I'm counting on. You're someone else. I wish I could take it all back. I honestly do. I honestly do wish I could take it all back. And not just because I'm stranded in space. I'm in space. I know you are, mate. Yeah, we're both in space. Space! Anyway, you know, if I was ever to see her again, do you know what I'd say? I'm in space. I'd say, I'm sorry. Sincerely. I am sorry I was bossy and monstrous. And I am genuinely sorry. I'm in space. The end. <laughs>